Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tallon. This is a creative innovation podcast. How are you doing? Are you ready for Christmas? I hope you're uh, able to down tools for a, a nice period of time to get that rest, to regenerate that soul. The weather this week is doom loops, delight loops, yes, and we've got Tash Wilcox coming up, an incomparable human being, full of energy, full of creative zest, a person I was truly inspired to spend an hour of time with talking to for this episode today, so thank you for tuning in. Uh, what have you been up to? Keep me posted on the social media at Arrest All the Mix. Uh, quickly, first a word for my wonderful sponsors that keep this show free every other week, illustrationweb.com. Fantastic illustration and animation agency supporting a whole lot of artists and doing a lot of great work in the industry. Go and check out all the beautiful portfolios containing lettering specialists, large-scale mural artists, fashion illustrators, editorial illustrators, advertising illustrators. You name it, they've got it going on. All those sexy visuals, illustrationweb.com, heartsinternet.co.uk. My tech sponsor, and they give us a little tip every episode. Uh, they do all sorts from SEO advice, social media advice, hosting, domain names, all the good web stuff, loads of toolkits, um, stuff where you can get all the uh, the analytics to a whole new level. They're fantastic. They're great if you are serious about getting up those Google rankings and having your creative business spotted in a prominent place where we all need to be in 2018, coming into 2019. So go and have a look, heartinternet.co.uk. Um, as far as a tip this episode, I'm going to talk about Tash's wonderful Monday in a Day projects. We get into detail about that during this episode and Tash is going to tell us why you can achieve a lot more if you break it down into bite-sized chunks and make it all a bit less intimidated. A little bit every day and you soon end up with a hell of a workload. So go and take a look on Tash's Instagram at Tash Wilcox, T-A-S-H-W-I-L-L-O-C-K-S. Um, and you'll see all her wonderful illustrations, they're full of life, they're full of character and we're going to talk about why she decided to do that project and how it's been running for five years. So that is courtesy of my tech sponsor, heartinternet.co.uk, go and have a look at those guys. Awesome work. Uh, and last but very not least, the wonderful Association of Illustrators doing crucial work in the illustration industry from pricing guidelines to contractual advice, sorting out those nasty ass clients that run rogue every now and again. Really great business end of things, but also doing a lot of great workshops and talks in various cities across the UK now. Leeds, Sheffield, Bristol, Manchester coming up hopefully, London, all great stuff going on. So go and have a look what they're up to. And be sure to enter the Illustration Awards this year, the World Illustration Awards. That is a wonderful uh, competition. Uh, we, we touched upon recently on the show the idea that some awards uh, are priced very fancifully well over the top out you know knocking out freelancers like myself who can't really justify investing such speculative money really uh, but these guys are great it's a nominal fee to enter uh, from a previous experience over the last few years I have been increasingly impressed with the awards exhibition it tours around if you make the shortlist uh, it's really worth the fee it's it's a very minimal fee uh, even cheaper for members and I do recommend the membership it's not just a cheap plug I think it's an awesome awards ceremony came away last year feeling rather intim- intimidated and kind of healthily challenged because I just wasn't there. I made the shortlist, but I wasn't, I certainly didn't deserve to win anything. So I came away feeling like I had my bum smacked a little bit um, by some really fantastic individual forward thinking work, uh, but but really challenged. And it's been a strong year, but I've really kind of responded to that and hoping to come back stronger this time around. So time remains sorry, it remains to be seen whether I'm even in contention this year. But long story short, get in the awards. I think they're great to enter. And also the v Illustration Awards are open at the moment. So if that's your bag, go and get involved. Thank you to the awesome sponsors. Go and check all those guys out, please. They do support the show in a crucial way and they keep it free. So... What's been going on? How, uh, how are things lining up for Christmas? Are you busy? Have you had a, a horrible barren December and then you're coming into an unknown January because I've had a few of those in my time and they're pretty grim? Um, December's not been too bad this year for me. January, a couple of bits lined up, nothing too drastic. And I find the Christmas period a really important time for rest. And that's one of the many topics I'm going to get into with Tash Wilcox today. We're talking about rest and downtime and the right balance of looking after the soul and the mind. So we're going to touch upon Tash's really broad range of experiences that have brought her to her position today uh, as a bit of a mixture of an illustrator at times uh, go and have a look at Monday in a day for all the lovely illustration work and various projects that I'm sure she's sharing on the social media uh, and also her role at 
Hyper Island, which is a creative business school. She's going to tell us all about the role and, and the institution and what's going on there. It's exciting. I think it's a really great setup, and it's where we did this interview. Um, Tash was kind enough to have me in for an hour. And we talked, and we talked about a lot of things. We talked about managing social media and how that can be a destructive thing and drain your time if you're not careful, even if you're not just going on there to piss around. Um, so she talks about how teaching got in the way of her own practice for a short while. She didn't have the balance nailed down, and she stopped doing it. Was all, you know, she she said she turned into the person who talks about doing things for a short while, and that's what she needed to inspire her to get back into doing. And she's not stopped doing since. Uh, so it's all valuable stuff. Uh, she talked about how she has nothing against turtles and broomsticks. We <laughs> that will make more sense in context, but it really made me laugh as a, an isolated quote, as you might see on social media. We'll have a look at that at Arrest Ornaments. We're getting into doom loops, delight loops, saying yes and loads of really great lessons from Tash. If you've seen her talk, you'll have been wowed just like I was uh, at Craft recently in Manchester. It's the first time I've had the joy of seeing Tash talk. Um, and I watched a number of other talks online as research for this podcast, which I do recommend. She talks a hell of a lot of sense and there's a lot of eye-opening content and we're going to get into all of that good stuff today. Talk about optimal anxiety, which is uh, fantastic. It's about being in that great space where you're just a little bit scared, you're just a little bit out of your comfort zone, not enough to ruin it, but enough to really make you alert and in the moment and to get the best out of whatever it is you're doing. So there's a lot to cover and I'm not going to keep banging on about it because Tash tells it a lot better than I do. Keep on top of what she's doing at Tash Wilcox on the social media get the feedback over on the episode please i want to hear your thoughts at arrest all mimics and i want some instances from you guys tell me about when you've been in a position of optimal anxiety tell me about your own doom loops and your delight loops and how have you broken them and how have you maintained them because i love the psychological angles um and we mentioned lauren kelly in the episode go back and have a look at that episode on behavior design because lauren is another fascinating human who's got a lot to share about the way the mind works the way we put barriers up to stop ourselves from doing things and the way we can break them down and put good mechanisms in place so i love it and uh, you'll have noticed an increase in these kind of episodes recently that's not a bad thing i think there's going to be more coming up but without further ado thank you again to the sponsors illustrationweb.com heartinternet.co.uk and the aoi.com um let's get on with it tash wilcox i meet her at hyper island to talk about everything she's been up to enjoy um i was i was born in cornwall in a very very small village um under a rock uh so in between Troy and falmouth mm. and basically my family's like my family's not actually that creative. I just drew like fuck when I was a kid. Oh, like yeah. you know that my mum got reams and reams of sort of old computer paper with a little sort of the yeah. holes in down the side. You rip off the little side thing. Yeah. yeah, and they used to sort of just give me that, and they realised if you just gave me a pile of that, I would draw and draw and draw and draw. <laughs> um, my brother's pure maths. Like he's a chartered quantity surveyor. Um, yeah, really into that. My dad was a mechanic. Mum sort of worked in bars and things. So, mm. yeah. What sort of stuff would you draw? What were you into? Anything. There's a very sad story about when I drew a giraffe, which I was going to tell the other day. I drew a giraffe. I was very proud of my giraffe, and I remember giving it to my mum. And this is that first moment where you're like, don't, don't sort of uh, get attached to your drawings and what you do. Because the next day, and she put it on the fridge, she went, that's lovely. And the next day, she was like, oh, we're going shopping. And she'd done it in half and written the shopping list on the back oh. of it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, my giraffe. <laughs> but, right through the neck. Yeah, well, it pretty much was in half, like properly pulled in half. And I was like, no. She oh. can't remember doing that because I asked her a little while ago. And I was like, no, that is stuck in my head. But I think it did me good because it was like a bit of a nothing's per like I was six or seven so I didn't have this like yeah. oh moment but I think it did make me go oh it's alright yeah. I can draw another one I remember my tutor drawing that into me at college at about 19 not six that's heavy that's heavy handed but I quite like it as I well I think that's why it, like <laughs> I've never been I'm really not a perfectionist at all like yeah. I am like yeah that's that's alright and so if I'll keep I'll keep doing it but I'm alright if it mm. if it's a bit wonky it's like that's brilliant did you have a thing? Was there anything? I was like, my things were a similar thing, like compulsive drawing, but it was wrestling, football, primarily for about 15 years, and then kind of branched out when I got to uni. But, um, <laughs> did you have anything? Was there anything you were sort of focal points? Uh, I'm just trying to think what I did at school. Did I go to school? Um, no, it was, it was mainly art, mainly drawing. I liked making stuff. Oh, do you know what? I was really good at science. 
Yeah. Like everybody, all the teachers wanted me to do science, and mm. I like. But I think again, I liked it because you made stuff. I liked yeah. making stuff explode. I liked breaking stuff. I liked sort of breaking it and making it again. Mm. And like my dad had. Well, my my dad took over the garage from my granddad. So I spent a lot of time tinkering around in the garage and I quite liked making mm. there be a clock and then it wouldn't be a clock anymore. Yeah. And I wouldn't be able to put it back together, but in my mind it was something. So I like, yeah, it was always just building weird things. I always mm. liked doing that. But in terms of a subject matter as well, was there anything that you drew in particular? Like oh, right. Certain... Animals, liked yeah. animals. I was in the YOC. Very, very into it. Yeah, lots of animals when I was younger. It's interesting, yeah. Um, birds, I like drawing birds as well. Funny enough, now it's fish. I'm very into drawing fish <laughs> at the minute. But I think it's just because I like animals, if, yeah. if, I, if I'm honest. <laughs> I like animals. But don't, I hate, I hate drawing people. And it's something that I keep trying to do, like the portraits in the minute, is because I'm so bad at drawing people. But I keep going a bit too realist and then I'm not getting my own style and that mm. bugs me. I, I really want, you know, like, um, uh, you know, right, Stan's got his own thing. He's got like yeah. the vectors and you see that and you know it's Stan. Gemma Carell has got the pugs and the sort of like Gemma Carell illustration. You know it's her straight mm -hmm. away. And I forgot that other illustrator. It's quite, he's an older one. Anyway, stuff like that. I look and go, right, I want to, I want to, to have my style, what's my little sort of figure that I can mm. do really fast, and whenever I do it, it looks like somebody else's because, yeah, it's like oh I like the eyes shut, but then it looks like, like Robert, what's his, you know what I mean, and it just mm. feels like I'm ripping off people all the time. But then, at the same time, there's so many people mm. illustrating people now. Yeah. To get your own styles, really, really hard. It's very difficult. Yeah, it's very it's very difficult to hit on like something that feels like pure originality. Mm. I think, well, as you say, we're exposed to so many things, aren't we now? We yeah. see it all the time. So even subconsciously, you don't know what's going into it, I suppose. And there was, there was a couple of students, so at the university, so I used to be their head of department at Salford for a while, and we had uh, motion, graphic design, and then illustration, and they were in separate sort of entities, but I kind of floated a bit between them. And some of the illustration students just were phenomenal. Yeah. But they were the ones that kind of went a bit left field. Sometimes I looked at their stuff and was like, I don't know if I like that or not. And there was funny, I was speaking to one student that was there about 10 years ago, the other day on Facebook. And I, I said to him, if I'm honest, I liked your stuff because I didn't like it. And I couldn't <laughs> get my head around it at first. And that's why I liked it because it was like, it wasn't, it wasn't sort of, it was new to your palette. Mm. It's almost like I got avocado, but I didn't know what avocado was. So when I first ate it, I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this, <laughs> but I think I might like it. Yeah. And then I loved it. But I had to look at it a few times and he was still in that development. But yeah. he's brilliant and he's done really well. He's like in the Sarchi really and cool. stuff now. So. Nice. Avocado is a good analogy, by the yeah. way, as well. I felt the same <laughs> way about it. <laughs> so was there a, did, you, did you get dissuaded? Did you, was there a point? Did you always... So I find that some people tend to, you know, they were like, I was always going to do this. I was on that path, even if I didn't really know how or when, but I was always going to do this as a career. Other people get dissuaded, whether it's parents, tutors, whatever. What, what, where did you kind of stand on that? Um, was there a point when you thought, I could actually do this and make a living? Well, see, I think I went off the path and I'm still wobbling along mm. a weird path because a lot of... I'm a bit of a jumble. So people think I'm an illustrator and I'm like, but I'm not an illustrator. Mm. But then people go, but you make money out of illustration. I'm like, oh yeah, but I'm not an illustrator. Other people know me as being a photographer, so I used to sort of do it for the NME and stuff. Mm. Uh, then I did all the music covers, so I've done a lot of band stuff, I've done videos. Yeah, so I've done a real mix, but also I ran a venue, um, and that's how I ended up sort of getting to music photography and the videos and bits. Um, then I kind of fell into teaching part-time, and then I started teaching full-time. And this is kind of where mundane a day, the drawing a day thing came from. Mm. Um, the, I went full-time teaching. And all of a sudden, I'd stopped practicing a little bit. And I got, like, don't get me wrong, I was like 22, 23 when I started sort of working in university. So I was ridiculously young. Mm. I went full-time when I was about 30, let's say. Maybe a bit younger. But like by the age of 32 or something, I'd stop practicing and I'd stop drawing and I'd stop doing. 
and it suddenly hit me, oh God, well, I'm, I'm that person that talks about doing stuff. I've turned into the person that I didn't want to be. Mm. And then the students were hitting a bit of a wall and they were like, ah, what do we do? You know that sort of uh, the final project and it's scary and it's big and it, oh, you're yeah, like, yeah, ah, yeah. I can't. So they go, you, I did it. You go into freeze and you don't know what to do. And I was like, right, do a little bit a day um, and you'll get this big collection of stuff and it'll look great. And one of the students had done it a couple of years before and she'd done this amazing job of it. And I was like, look, she's an example. And they were like, oh, I don't have time, I can't, I can't. And I was like, right, I will do this to prove a point. And it was the best decision I ever made because yeah. the first, I was like, right, I like lettering, I've always wanted to do it, but I've never actually done it. I love typography, but I used to build the type. I used to sort of, if it was more computer rendered or mm. photography, it was never hand rendered. Like, hadn't touched it at all. So I was like, right, let's do that. Um, and had that bit where you just go, oh, God, my stuff's awful. <laughs> What's going on? Why doesn't mine not look perfect immediately? <laughs> and I committed to sort of putting on Instagram every day, so I had to do it daily. Yeah. And even though it didn't matter, I could have stopped at any point, but I kind of had made this commitment to the students that I was going to do it. Mm. Sure, they didn't give a shit either, but I'd, I'm one of those people. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to do it. I will do it. And... Within a month, I'd like produced like a load of stuff, and mm. I could see that progression already. And it was almost like finally I was saying what I was trying to sort of like put out there, and I'd stopped doing. And it was re- it was nice. It was that like yeah. yes, yeah. like, and also I I was bearing my soul a little bit to the students because I was like, no, I'm shit at this. Yeah. Let's let's do this. Yeah, and there's not a lot. Do you feel there's not a lot of vulnerability in, in kind of higher education courses? I feel like there's that sense of like, oh God, we, it's like you talk about the A to B thing, and it's mm. that idea of, God, I should be this good now because soon I'm going to have to graduate, and I can, yeah. and it's like that freezing up. It's, it's uh, I went through it myself. I think we all do to a degree, but there's a certain thing about it. people are still very scared to be vulnerable, and I think particularly sensitive, creative people. In university courses, it's almost like I don't want to be the one to, to say that I'm not perfect first, and then yeah. it creates this fear. Yeah, like don't give it because I know some incredible tutors. So it's, I'm not knocking any tutors at all. Like the ones I know in art and design, they're brilliant. I've got mm. a lot of friends sort of in unis, but I think there is that. I blame it on Tumblr and Tumblr and uh, Pinterest a lot of the time. I think that they're the ones that I sort of aim it at. Is, mm look, this is finished, and you only see the fi- shiny finished piece. Yeah. Oh, look, this is a work in progress. No, it's not. It's a shiny video of you with a pen, a Posca, <laughs> gliding over a white piece of paper. But you don't actually see the, them crying, going, why is this not working? Or ink everywhere, and you're yeah. just going, that's meant to be a dog, why does it look like yeah, a carrot? Yeah, yeah. Like, the reality of, like, when it just looks rubbish, and you, you're just like, Ugh. Why does my face not look as good as that sort of person's? Why does my illustration look like a pastiche when theirs yeah. looks really fresh and new? That's that, that real work in progress. Yeah. And I think that's... People aren't showing it, so the students think, oh, they did that in a year. When it didn't, it took them 20 years to get to that point, or mm-hmm. five years to get to that point. And I, th- I think that's it. And they don't like showing their progress. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, well, it's not very good. Of course it's not very good. Yeah, that's okay. That's where you are, you'll learn. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny, I had a similar thing, and, it, and this was going back way earlier. I mean, in childhood, I would get the Marvel comics and look at them. And I could not, I didn't know what computer was at that point, but I did not, I'm there with a pencil and some wax crayons, and I'm like, how on earth am I ever going to reach <laughs> yeah, that? How do I do that? That's perfect. That's yeah. actually anatomically unbelievably perfect. Fuck you, but yeah, it's that thing. And actually, though, what you say as well about the thirty is a big number. Mm. But if you break it down to one a day, a month, that's actually yeah. not that intimidating. Which yeah. you know, obviously, is why you tell that story and what and what validates it greatly. But but the I saw some really nice stuff recently where it it was like Marvel illustrations, mm. and they showed the drawings that they did like twenty years ago, and they're really crunky, and like the arms are in the wrong place, and the face <laughs> is out of proportion. And it's like, this was me 20 years ago, this is me now. Mm. And there's also another one where it's really good, it's uh, four clients, and it's like, this is what, you know, I don't know, a thousand pounds and a day looks like, Mm -hmm. or two days looks like. This is what 500 pounds and half day looks like. This is your 20 pounds that you want to pay in the one minute that you're paying for, and it's like, (laughs) really sort of quickly drawn. (laughs) And it's just like, stop presuming that this is done really quickly just because in your yeah. mind it's really easy to do because I can do it. 
Mm. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean you know, like some of the simplest drawings you see, it's because they've done it a million times, oh my God. and they just—it's that mm. sort of like, oh my God, how do you make that circle look happy? Yeah, and they, because they've done it a million times. Yeah. So. Well, that, that's it. That, I mean, that's the core of, of my style. It's a very loose, naive, inky style. But, and then that, that's why I have that battle sometimes with a client where they'll come ask for a quote for a few words of lettering and you go, they'll go back and go, how much? Well, they take you 10 minutes. I'm like, will it? And what about the you decade? And what about the decade <laughs> to learn the difference between character consistency, the breaking of the bra, you know, like all that thing. But yeah, um, I think it's a very common thing. But yeah, like getting that across to someone who's in their very formative years and learning, mm. that's it's a battle. It's a battle with any teacher, I guess to get that across but I also think there's a lot of students out there that do get it and they're hungry for it oh yeah and like you see them they're brilliant and they do yeah. take risks and they're, they're the ones that are like yeah. okay I'm going to do this loads of talent and loads of mad brains out there and yeah. going to those end of degree shows and you think I feel quite scared coming out it makes me up my game let's just put it that way because <laughs> I'm like they're coming after me <laughs> I, mean, I, think, I can't remember if we were talking about this or it's been somebody else where I watched this video the other day and they were sort of saying, uh, kids these days, they've got computers, they don't have to think. And I was like so angry, I like, I think my, Bollocks. like one of my ears fell off, I popped so much. I was like, what do you mean by that? Then they were like, you know, in our day, we drew with our arm, oh, it was gliding over. And it's just like, yeah, and they, they're still using their brains, they're still using it. It's like, it's, Clear. if not, oh, well, no, I'm not going to pit one against the other. But it's really annoying that I find really frustrating yeah. when it's just like, oh, kids these days. Yeah, show me a time when somebody wasn't saying that about the generation yeah. that's coming up. Do we have to be, Do have we got little axes like cavemen chipping away at a wall? Because, is that what you're saying? Yeah. We, we need to go back to that time. We progress, we use different tools. Computer is a, is a pen. Yeah. It's, it's just a tool. Stop going, oh, the computer does it for them. Yeah. Bollocks, does it? Of course, you know, of course, there's, there's credence to that argument if someone's entirely reliant upon it and they're not getting outside of the screen and their work's suffering because of it. But that's mm. a very circumstantial thing. That's, a, that's one case of what it can do. But then, again, that's the same for any tool, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, and I think, it's a, I think that's a very, like, generational attitude that some people take. I don't, I don't subscribe to it. We'll be doing that in the future. <laughs> we'll be like, all oh, those new AIs, they're doing all the art for them. Exactly. <laughs> You mentioned something that I found really interesting, and it was the influence of like social media and Facebook when mm. you talked about starting Monday in a day. Yep. You referenced that, am I right in thinking? You said that it sort of consumed you to a degree, yep. like, at least distracted you. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you, you hit on something interesting there. A number of my tutors always would say at uni, and I was confused as to why they were telling me to do this at the time, but they would say, go to the library and read something completely different. Pick a random section, yeah. get a book you've never thought of reading before. Well, why, why would I want to do that? I'm a design student. I was that, I was that dick for a while, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I get it completely now, and it is. It's just feeding the machine, isn't it? Yeah, but I just like random stuff. I do like learning random stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm sort of... I'm that bore at the party that's like, oh, well, <laughs> did you know that uh, Seinfeld keeps crosses on his calendar and he has to write a joke a day and that's how he kept it going? You like, there you uh, go, mechanisms. Yeah. I love that though. I think I did an episode, do you know Lauren Kelly? This yes, love she Lauren. She's great. I had her on a recent show and it was just mind-blowing stuff. I love just all that kind of stuff and that, that behaviour design idea. When I first met her, I thought, I wonder if it's a making interesting show. And I was dubious at the idea of behavior design and what it was. Anyway, it was absolutely brilliant. And ever since, I've got all these little like things now to stop me from being distracted or whatever it might be. Yeah. I'm, I've got little plants everywhere, you know, like, just to, <laughs> count, to counter myself. I.e., don't buy biscuits and don't bring them in the house, and you won't eat a full packet of biscuits in one go. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had it because, like we've spoken, and I went to one of her workshops, and then we had a, we finally had a coffee together the other day, and it, she's like one of those people that I was so excited after I left. I was like, I want to do mm. all of it. I'm going to go into behavioural design. <laughs> so I was like, yes, I can do that. But like, funny enough, the students here, a lot of them are really into behavioural design. Mm. And again, I like, I like drawing about behavioural. Like, I like anything like that because it creates something interesting to draw about. Mm. So it's not just a random drawing. It's yeah. not like this, oh, it's a turtle on a you know, broomstick, which is nice, and I don't have anything against turtles on broomsticks, but... I like having that context that mm -hmm. goes with it, so it, it has a, it's got a little reason to yeah, fly yeah. out in the world. Yeah, doing quite the range. Is variation important to you as a character? Say it again. As a personality, is variation important to you? I mean, you seem to be doing quite the array of 
things within your work, whether mm. it's Hyper Island and then I'm, I'm a, me personally, I'm someone who I, I need that, I need the variation. I like to bounce from one discipline to another and, and it'll be a different skew of them each week. Yeah, I don't, in all honesty, I don't think I've known ever, like I don't think I know any different. Mm. It's never occurred to it was somebody actually picked up on it the other day because I was, uh, I went to Scotland and Avermore to sort of, I was doing a workshop there. And somebody just went, what do you actually do? <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I run sort of Hyper Island. Mm. I'm the director of the Masters. And then they're like, but you program lead. And I was like, oh, yeah, I do learning design. And then I go into industry. And I sort of like work in industry as well. So I work with students. And they were like, but what are the illustrations? Oh, yeah, so I do these illustrations. And then they were like, but I've seen some of your record designs as well. And they were like, ah. But you know when you go, I don't, that's okay. They're all in the crate. I think it's, it's that... Yeah. It's well, you're doing it. You're just being creative as a human. And yeah. It sounds like you're a person who responds to what the opportunities that come up in your life. It's if it makes me go, oh, what's that? And like, I'm excited about doing it. Mm. I'll do it. If I'm rubbish at it, fair enough. I learned that pretty quickly. Yeah. I'll either have another get. Like now, I'm obviously a singer, so <laughs> this is my new. I'm not. I'm really not going into singing. But it's that sort of <laughs> what. What is it? I look at what other people... And I like the genuine thing with Lauren Kelly, meeting her, I am like, oh, I'd love to do a bit of that. Yeah. And because I see a lot of it here, it's not like I'm sort of completely naive to it. Yeah, and your talks touch upon a number of things that yeah. are definitely within, would slip within that field, yeah? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like, what can I learn and how, to what breadth can I learn it and sort of depth? Because mm-hmm. I think that's designers, graphic designers, illustrators in the creative field... Part of the talent of doing that is you research enough into it that you can get to grips with it, but you're not a professional because that's what the professionals are for. Yeah. But as a designer, you need to understand enough of it that mm-hmm. you can sort of help them and like design around it. Yeah. Like design thinking, all of that area. Yeah. Service design. You aren't a professional doctor by the end of it. Like that's not what's expected, but you need to get to the depth that you can deliver something that is of use, yes. not just a pretty picture. Yeah. And I think that's probably why, as creators, as designers, whatever you want to call us, there is that sort of like, oh, that's shiny, I want to do that for a while. And yeah. then it's like, mm, right, actually I want to go into something else. Yeah, I think a lot of it is also about being honest about how you feel when you do it. Mm. You know? you enjoy it why not explore it further because generally when you enjoy it you're prepared to work hard at it and do it a lot to get better yeah if you're not then you get that horrible feel of sinking feeling and it's just, <laughs> just not jarring with you as a person and i think that so many people and understandably so overlook their character and how they feel and think well but should i be doing that yeah. rather than how do i actually feel yeah you know um, yeah and being honest with yourself and yeah. I, th- I think that's the thing like i do a lot and sometimes i am like i just want to not do anything for the weekend and <laughs> if that's what I'm like I will just not do anything for the weekend yeah but other times I don't know some of the other day I booked I booked a holiday but my holiday was going and doing a massive mural mm. somebody's like but you're doing work when you're off and I was like yeah but it's different work and doing the murals is probably the most zen I get I'll download an audio book or some podcasts mm. I will plug in and I will quite happily just draw a massive type piece and I'm like the most relaxed person by the end of the day. I yeah. like doing it. Don't have to talk to people. Everyone leaves you alone. You sort of, yeah, you can just listen to what you want. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm similar, very cathartic, just, yeah, switching off and, yeah, just, just committing to it and not having to overthink. I love that. Um, there's, a, there's quite a few things in your talks. I, I mean, I could be here all day, I'm not going to go into all of them, but just, I mean, you can tell you're a person that reads a lot of that. So the doom loops and the delight loops I found particularly interesting, if you don't mind just touching upon what they actually are. Yeah, uh, so there's a book called Liminal Thinking by Dave Gray, not David Gray, the singer. Um, <laughs> and he's really interesting. He's, he's done sort of uh, game storming, things like that. But this book is really nice. And it's built up on sort of like, we, we build... We build sort of ideas and like, I believe this because of X, Y, Z. And a lot of time when you drill down, the Z that it's all built on, actually something so long ago you've forgotten why that was your belief or it's built on something that wasn't quite right at the time or something that's changed. Mm-hmm. And we're all going around with these sort of like ideas in our head. Um, so doom loops are very much like, 
he talks about dogs in the book and it's like the doom loopers they had a dog it was a beautiful dog the son went over while it was eating a bone and the dog bit the child and at that point he could have said that's a bad dog we should have the dog put down or the dog gets sort of taken somewhere else but actually they went to a vet and the vet was just like do you know what something horrible has happened to the dog so the dog's belief is that child is trying to or that thing is trying to take my bone i must bite it mm. at that point the decision is do we go it's a doom loop that's a bad dog you reinforce you're a bad dog you bit the child we take away your bone mm-hmm. all you're doing is making the dog go my bone gets taken away or even worse you're a bad dog you get put down because or you you get put on the gun so you don't make the dog suffer what you do is they go it's a good dog its belief is built on something that's not real anymore mm. so what they did they took the dog to the park and every t- and it and it had uh, every time they saw another dog they would give him a treat and the other dog a treat so the dog's like oh i don't need to protect my food mm. and they do it over a long amount of time blah 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 so the dog finally is like, it's okay. So it can eat a bone, the child can come and play with it because it's not a bad dog. Mm. So the bad dog is the doom loop that you, all you're doing is reinforcing that bad story. Yeah. The delight loop is you break that and you create something that's positive. Mm. So you're going, why do I think like that? But it's the five whys, the Toyota five whys. It's just keep saying why. Why do I believe that? Why is this happening? Or challenge your doom loop. Go, okay, well, like I did with the singing, it's just like, yeah, I don't sing because I got told I was bad at singing. So, but then I just don't sing. So 20 years later, I'm a bad singer. But all I'm doing is, because I don't sing, I never practice. So because I never like open my mouth, it's just reinforcing that doom loop. Mm-hmm. So by breaking it, it's just like, do you know what? That wasn't that bad. It was fun. I got lots of compliments. Yeah. And I was quite honest about, this is the first time I've probably sung yeah. in 20 years other than a couple of times practicing. Yeah. So that's creating a delight. Like, and it was delightful. I got lots of love out of doing It was brilliant. That. It was fantastic. It was impressive singing. Not, and it wasn't like everyone being nice. It was good singing. Like, and Laura was leaning on going, she's really good. And, <laughs> and, uh, but also, like you say, just to, to confront that full on and, yeah. and put yourself in the public arena to do that. It takes and balls. And that goes all the way back to what we were talking about, work in progress. Because I was like, I am not a poly- I am not Lady Gaga. I am not going to come out here and blast out an amazing song. Yeah. You could tell I was nervous as hell. That was like, that was not me putting that on. I genuinely thought I was going to throw up on stage at one point. Mm. Like the talk bits, fine. I do that all the time. I was like la la la. But the like f- two minutes when I went, I'm going to sing now. Properly thought I was going to throw up. Mm. Like, had a hurt moment. <laughs> and it was like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Why am I doing this? And then after the first verse, and because everyone went, come on, Tash. Yeah. All of a sudden, it went from a doom loop to a delight loop. Everyone was with me. Like, mm. I genuinely was like, this is all right. Mm. And I screwed up. I screwed up so badly in the middle because I, I sang the wrong verse. <laughs> And still, everyone's like, yeah. you, But you still wrote it. That was fantastic. So, yeah, so that, that was a perfect. And I was at the train station and I was messing about and I started singing. And sort of, we <laughs> was like, what is happening to you? Like, I'm like, I am now singing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you turn into a musical. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's the music? High school, I am high school musical all the way now. Mm. It's, it's the way to <laughs> But you, I just think in that whole the whole thing and and the whole thing about the mind and the learned helplessness stuff. One thing that I found particularly resonant in the moment, not so much with me because I sort of fought against it, but is, is what you're actually doing with your time. And you, that was quite prominent in your in your talks about. It's so easy now. There's so many things right there, whether it's Netflix, social media, all sorts of distractions, and actually, I think bad time management can be really destructive yeah. to people. You know. Um, what, what, how do you feel about that? About, I mean, it, I guess in general, like, it seems like you're a busy person and you, you, you know, you're working on a lot of valid projects. But mm. I just worry that so many talented people are kind of letting their time flutter away without even realising it by scrolling and flicking and clicking, you know? I can't remember who said this. Uh, like, I've had it said to me, you've got more willpower than I have. Willpower is it's not a thing. 
it's because I do it. Like, mm. don't go, oh, you can do it because you've got willpower. It's nothing to do with it. It's because I do it and you mm. don't. I understand, like, people have kids. So if you're a parent, yes, you have a lot less time than I have. I've got a cat to look after. So there's a different sort of thing going on there. But people can make time. You can make half an hour. You can, like, mm-hmm. it's when somebody goes, They'll talk to me about EastEnders for 20 minutes and then go, oh, I don't have time to do what you do. Yeah, but you have got time to watch EastEnders. Like, I work in front of the TV. Like, everyone's just like, how do you watch so much TV but Mm -hmm. get so much work done? And it is because I will have it on in the background. But, yeah, it's just prioritised. And I'm going to be honest, if you want to watch Netflix and veg out, that is your call. You do, like, I think... We're a nation of busy people and it's cool to be busy and I think sometimes we're overly busy and people burn out. If you want to watch TV, watch TV. If you want to listen to music, watch it. But if you want to moan at me about, oh, I can't do that because, don't, because you can make time. Yeah. And just sort of like 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Sort of just, if you can just borrow out that little bit of time for you yeah. and if you really want to do it, do it. Yeah. And also it's worth bearing in mind from one of your other talks about ethics. I picked up on the whole thing that Netflix said that time uh, sleep is the enemy. Like sleep, <laughs> sleep is the enemy to their platform. So they are out to confiscate all your hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. They've got that. They've got that. Um, the play. So you're watching Netflix before you know you've watched like an entire series. Oh yeah, yeah. But again, I just I have it on like music in the background, so like it doesn't bother me because yeah. I'll do an enormous amount of work. Oh, me too. Ten hours of wrestling this week as we speak. Oh, sorry, not this week, not from Monday. That would be intense. <laughs> but yeah, it's just something that I like to have there when I'm drawing on, doing whatever. It's yeah, it's just my thing. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be so destructive. And I, I mean, I've got Netflix. I watch it. I watch it enough. But I make sure it's a little reward when I've had like a busy mental, st- mentally stimulated day, and I want to go and watch the show. I'm into. That's cool. But, but it's the, when it takes over, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's when you're going. Oh no, I've wasted a load of time. So when you start regretting that. That's when it's a problem, and that's sort of like address it. Mm. And what do you need to do to stop you doing that? Because it's really, you know, they know what they're doing. They've got thousands of researchers doing that so that you get hooked to it. The same as Instagram, the same as Facebook. You know, they have got behavioural designers that do want you to be hooked. They will have those little rewards. They'll have that little, hey, have you forgotten lights going on? So what do you need to do to save yourself? Because they are not going to save you. They Mm -hmm. want you on there. They're little attention vampires. So turn your notifications off. You can turn off on Netflix the play the next one. There's loads of, like, there's, if you go into it, there's loads of stuff where you can stop it doing that. But they're not going to put that on for you. They're going to have the loop going on. (laughs) And again, that's the doom loop, delight loop. Yeah. Doom loop is, oh, I keep watching seven hours of series on Netflix. Yeah. Delight loop is as easy as going, but I've reset it so it stops after the first one. I go and do something else. Then I reward myself with it. Yeah. So it becomes something that's nice and it's a treat. Totally. It goes back to what you were saying about some of the older heads saying, <clears throat> kicking off about computers. It's the same thing, same, mm. principle, same principle. If you let it take over, if you let it on, everything you're doing, it becomes a very bad thing quite quickly. Yeah. But if you make it work for you, just like social media, God, I mean, you know, I've got great jobs out of that, but if I was sitting there scrolling all day, it certainly wouldn't be the case. Yeah, but like, I, and I am not perfect by any means. Like, sometimes, like Instagram, love Instagram, um, and I get most of my work through it. I post every day, so it's my thing that actually is something that I use to put stuff out there. I like the amount of words you can write on it, so I'm sort of like quite into that. Um, but I go through little stages, I'm like a little rat tapping on it. I'm like, refresh, refresh, refresh. And <laughs> I'm too, like, oh my too. God, stop doing that. And I put my phone in the other room because I'm like, why am I doing that? Yeah. And it like, so yeah, I'm aware. Yeah. Because I, I read the other day, or got told the other day, that it gets up to 20. And then you almost have to put it down or you have to sort of close it before it releases the next... Set. Like, it'll be like, OK, you've got two more likes now. And I was like, why am I so bothered about likes? When did I get obsessed with getting likes? Yeah. But I do occasionally. Maybe. I see myself fall right into that pit. Oh, God, yeah. And I bring this stuff up quite a lot and I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because I'm that exactly the same. Of course I do. I think it's part, it's part of it. Especially when it's something you care about that you're posting, you know, mm. that, that, that's dear to you, as in your work, which we are passionate about that. 
my god, yeah, it can, it can do it. But as you said, I'm aware, and then I, and I clock myself quicker now when I'm yeah. doing it, and it's like, oh, want to put that off, put that off. <laughs> Read a book. You've got a bus journey. Got to get to the other end of it. And think, oh god, that went quick. What have I actually done with it? Yeah. You know? Oh, I scrolled on Facebook. Exactly. <laughs> Give three good paperbacks in my book. Just carrying yeah. them around for the fun of it. It's like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to keep you for, for forever, but uh, Hyper Island. Tell us what's what's going on. What what is it? So, Hyper Island is a creative business school. So, in the UK, we run a Master's in Digital Experience Design and a Master's in Digital Management. Digital Management um, is part-time in London and Stockholm, and the full-time DXD and DM are here in Manchester. Um, it was quite a conscious decision to do it in Manchester. Uh, we could have done it in London. It was offered. We had sort of funding put towards us. But we wanted the students to be able to live, not just survive. And mm-hmm. I think Manchester is a really good place. It's it's flourishing. There's a lot of startups here and a lot of sort of like that underground sort of design scene going on. And they can take a trip to London if they want to. Mm. So they do six in Manchester. They do six months taught. It's designed by Catherine Emer upstairs and myself. So with the learning designers and um, the program leaders, and then industry come in and they. We don't have teachers, it's very much like you don't have teachers, you don't have grades. Because we're a master's, we do have grades. Um, yeah, so it's, it's designed by industry, they deliver it. It's very sort of industry focused, you have clients come in, they do client work. Um, and then at the end of it, they go out and do an industry research project, so they can do that all over the world. Mm. Students in Manchester range from like 23 to sort of mid-50s. Some of them are pivoting, some of them are just going... I don't want to do that anymore. I'm sort of like changing my job completely. Um, yeah, 27 to 28 nationalities. Um, yeah, really, really mixed group of people mm. who all sort of work together. So that's the UK. Stockholm um, run a series of sort of like uh, courses as well. On those, it's again, it's by industry, delivered by industry. They don't have grades. So it's a high priority certificate. It's only the masters that Brilliant. sort of like have more academic side to it. Uh, we're based in Singapore, so we've got one masters running in Singapore, which is part time. Brazil, New York. Um, so in Brazil and New York, I mean all of the hubs, we go into industry. So that means we go into sort of say somewhere like Tui. So we've worked with them recently, um, and it might be like looking at the culture, how we can help the culture, how we can help them digitally. Um, business transformation so it's very much it's funny sort of stuff that we're talking about like the behavioral stuff we do a lot with the students about who are you as an individual mm-hmm. um, who are you in conflict who are you when you're happy how do you work in a team how do you get the best out of you in a team so it's very much it's as much about the digital and the the learning of their subject area but it's also about culture and them growing as a yeah. person and also, and this is the change bit that I mentioned in my talk, being okay with change, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. like, is our greatest feat with this lot, is they they were, like, you could... What did Mattia from a couple of years ago said, the IRP is a bit like, we fly them out into the middle of the desert with a really good rucksack and then go, see you, bye! And he's like, it's horrible, but you're like, no, I can do this. And I feel like they can survive. Yeah, It's that sort of... They're, they're good at being vulnerable, but they're incredibly tough at the same time. And it's this sort of really wonderful thing that you see mm. because being tough yet vulnerable is a really good quality. Absolutely. And in industry now. It just sounds like something that I really wish there was a lot more of in the sort of higher school education mm. and, and more of well, the whole school education. It's just that old rigid model and then this world now where we've got any any number of amazing like pop science, pop culture, behavioural science, all this amazing stuff's going on, all these learning breakthroughs. You've still got people learning like historical facts and taking exams at school and there's going to be this great divide before long if we're not careful where kids are just coming out and kind of going, uh, shit, what's this world I've entered? Yeah, but I think it's getting better. My um, <coughs> sister-in-law works at a primary school and I've noticed like there's a few things that they're doing. They are, mm. it's starting to shift. Yeah. Because I think they've realised it used to be I'm going to be a solicitor. Yeah. I finish, I become a solicitor, and I have that job for life. Yeah. Now it's like, I am going to be, well, I don't know, because in yeah. 10 years there's going to be different jobs and there'll be no solicitors. Yeah. So I think there is, there's a definite shift to it's slow. It's kind of having to now, isn't it? Otherwise it's just, uh, 
don't know, I don't know. I mean, I guess they, I guess they're finally getting it and sort of saying, "Well, shit, this doesn't work anymore." Yeah. Like we got, and it, and that's not a slight on anyone because I know lots of teachers are frustrated because they know this. They've got great ways of teaching it. Mm. Um, similar, similar to some of the stuff you guys do in Hyper Island. It's just that they've got these mountains of paperwork and, and they don't have the time. The kids have got exams, but it sounds like there's. It's in a few comments recently about they're having to kind of they're looking into it. They're starting to wake up. I think. So. Yeah. I, I mean, it always gets brought up on this show in a lot of different contexts. You should check out. Episode five, I think. John Newbegin, who's the chair of Creative England, he he really did a great counter argument to what Nicky Morgan said about kids wasting time on creative subjects. Yeah. He kind of wrote a really, really great articulated piece in the Guardian. So I got in touch. Thankfully, he was like, "Yeah, come on, we'll have a chat." <laughs> and, and he just, yeah, I was sat there with my, my, my mouth open the whole time, but he just, he just, he absolutely nailed it. It's well worth a listen. But, but it, it sounds like you're really on it. That that that's the thing is. We're training all these students not for a, a particular job. I mean, experience design is a job. But even every year, that changes. Like, mm. in the last three years, I've seen experience designers going from one thing to something quite different in the last, you know, in yeah. three years, easily. So it is, why are we still working the Victorian way mm-hmm. when we could be sort of going, strip it back? Yeah. We're lucky, you know, we were founded in Sweden, and they won't stick to the, this is the way you do it. Yeah. They do test and they do sort of break it. But, you know, you look at it, kids are very precious and they don't, people don't want to go, okay, we'll take a chance with our child and yeah, teach it that yeah, way. Yeah. Some do. Um, my friend John is unschooling uh, his little boy. And, yeah, it's incredible what they're doing. But it's brave as hell. Yeah. Like, yeah. You and know. difficult, difficult, you know, like, I mean, where would you even start, you know, I guess a lot of parents, you, you've got this model and it's hard to know what to do, really, other than that. Yeah, and, uh, like, the siloing thing, is it, uh, oh, what's his name, Robinson, Keith, Keith, no, something Robinson, Ken Robinson. Yeah. He talks really eloquently about, like, we teach people in silos and you're a certain age and, like, by the age of six, you should have done this and move on. And it's like a conveyor belt. But some kids, that like, I was like it at school just didn't seem to boot in <laughs> like I literally was bottom of all the sets mm. for everything until I went to secondary school where I suddenly went oh no I better get my arse in gear and it wasn't because I was stupid I was just I think I was lazy if I'm honest unmotivated I was yeah like that got to secondary school and suddenly was like in the first and second set out of eight sets and actually had to have a little chat because they thought I was cheating. <laughs> because they're like, how have you gone from like remedial to this over summer holiday? Um, Love that. Yeah. So after our little chat, they made me do a few things in a room on my own and I got the same results and they were like, oh, okay. Yeah. You're actually quite bright. You just, yeah. <laughs> what have you been doing? I love for that they put a red flag on you. That's brilliant. Yeah, it, it sounds like uh, when what you actually said in one of your talks, well, about the sort of the slight, I might be wording it wrong, but the slight anxiety being the best learning zone, you know, the kind of not completely freaking out, but the, the just outside your comfort zone being the Oh, optimum, optimal anxiety. Optimal anxiety. Sorry, yeah. that's the one, yeah. It sounds like a bit of that, which is what happened to me when a teacher turned around in English and went, You're on, you're on for a D. We brought it to <laughs> like, and I bricked it and went, all right, now I'm going to start flicking stuff around, stop flicking stuff around the class and actually do what I know I'm all right at, which is English, and I ended up doing it. But I think she knew knew how to manage my personality by putting me in that slight fear zone and then I rock it. And yeah. I still have that to this day. I get like 50-minute turnaround to The Guardian sometimes and I do the best work that I do in that space because I have to and it's that slight, like... No, that, yeah, I know that. I'm awful for it and I tell the students not to do it and I mean it. But I'm, do- I'm doing it at the minute on a deck that I'm meant to have done. And so if I will do, I'll do it tonight because I know I'm just hitting optimal anxiety. And tonight, even though it's not work time, I will suddenly go, okay, I'm doing the deck. And it's weird and I'll just suddenly do it. But yeah. I think it's because it's like my talks. I'll have been reading for ages and then I don't really put the talk together until the week before. Mm. And then I'll suddenly go into a huge drawing mode. But all of the information's in there kicking yeah. about. So it's like, I've done a lot of work. Yeah. It's just putting it... And the students, the high priority students at the minute, they're doing their industry research projects. And I've seen it year after year. And they should... So if you're listening to this, don't do it. But <laughs> some of them have read, they've interviewed, they've done prototypes, but they've not put one word down on paper. And as a supervisor, it gives you... The worst, I used to wake up feeling sick sometimes because I'm like, please start writing. And then they'll just pull this amazing sort of 13,000 words 
sort of written piece together mm. in two to three weeks but because it's all in there and that's the difference the mm. ones that somebody go oh I'll do it two, two. yeah but you've done no work either the good ones have worked and worked and worked it's just it's not ready to flow yeah, out yeah 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 whereas yeah it's in there I know yeah. it's kicking around because I have dreams about it <laughs> stuff like that the talk will come yeah. but it it can come when it's but it has to that yeah it's the optimal anxiety is usually Two three days before when yeah. I go, oh, I've got to draw all of this. I've got a plane to catch. I'll do it at the airport. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so what have you got coming up? Anything exciting? Uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm doing a really nice job for, I'm trying to think if I'm allowed to talk about it, uh, a paediatrics unit. So I'm doing a book for a paediatrics unit cool. all illustrated, which I'm really liking uh, to sort of help kids understand uh, the procedure of the treatment they're going through. So I've really loved doing that. And oddly, I'm drawing people for it. So I have to draw kids, and I've actually cracked a style for that one. There we go. So I was like, yeah. Uh, doing that, I'm doing, obviously, for Hyper, we're getting ready for the new crew coming in in January. I've got the part time in Stockholm, who I'm seeing in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm in Switzerland this weekend working um, in Zurich. So I'm delivering a day workshop on sort of culture and feedback Fantastic. in Zurich. Um, I'm doing a few murals uh, for Voltec in Bristol. And I think I've got some up here coming up. As well. Oh, yeah, I have some up here coming up as well. Uh, got my daily drawing to do. <laughs> I'm now going to start doing a podcast um, as well. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, I want to do this. Oh, yeah, I'm actually, I'm doing a podcast next week with Tech for Good Live which Brilliant. I'm quite looking forward to. Um, I have no talks on the horizon, so knowing me, I will put myself forward for a talk or <laughs> somebody will ask and I'll go, yeah, of course I could do that. Um, yeah, so juggling quite a few different nice. things. I feel like there's something that's sort of going, no, you're meant to be doing that. <laughs> but it'll come. Uh, no, it's, it's like I've got lots and lots of nice stuff coming up. Um, and all, like you said, really different. Um, yeah, I just like more day, more yeah, more hours in the day would be nice. I've got an extra hour. We've got an extra hour. Brilliant. My cat hasn't recognised that yet. <laughs> right, well, the last question asked cool. all my guests. It's an on-the-spot question called Shark in the Tank. That's yeah. after the Damien Hurst piece. Love-hate piece of artwork. So basically I ask people for what I love and I hate about what they do, about your creativity, and it's a wide-open question. Ooh. Um, 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 um. I, uh, this is probably the first thing that's going to come in my head, but I think this is because I did a talk. I really love talking, and I used to hate it, I used to be really shy, um, which people don't really believe now, but I love doing stuff on stage, mm. and the more people, the better. Mm. I am a massive attention vampire, and it's something I've learned about myself. I really, really get a buzz when I know the audience are really getting what I'm talking about, and mm -hmm. the other night was great, because I got so many messages afterwards going, oh shit, I do that and you've made me realise. And I felt like I made a little tweak on quite a few people's lives and it felt like they they went, this is good, yeah. I'm going to make a change. And it was like, so I, I won't repeat because it was private, but some of the messages I got really, like one made me cry, it was like, I was so happy mm. that they were like, I thought it was the course I'm doing, blah, 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 blah. But actually I realised it's me and I've got to make a change and it like genuinely hit me. In what an awesome feeling. Yeah. yeah. So it's stuff like that. I love doing that. And I like drawing the slides for it. That's part of the whole parcel. So that's a nice all in one go. And I love my students. They're incredible. I get, yeah, they just, again, I think I feed off them. I get, because a lot of people go, how, how do you keep your energy level up? Being the old lady that you are. <laughs> um, and I think it's just, I, I'm around a lot of interesting people who are doing interesting stuff and really want to make a change. Mm -hmm. So that's the ace bit. What do I hate? I hate negative people <laughs> because they just suck my brain out sometimes. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, you know when you're talking to someone, you're just like, anything we talk about, you're going to find the bad in it, aren't you? Yeah. But I feel sorry for them. But I don't like it when they start making me... That's what, right... I hate when you're in an environment and 
it becomes so negative, you start becoming negative. And I don't like it. I hate that about yeah. myself. And I, the other thing, I hate fucking gossip. And like, I fall, sorry to swear. That's fine. Um, and when I, when I catch myself doing it, I really don't like myself, like genuinely. And I do do it sometimes. Yeah. I don't like that behaviour. Yeah, I want to find the good in people and I want to find the good in myself. And, I, and it sounds a bit preachery, but I just don't like it when I come away from a conversation all we've done is moaned because it doesn't sort anything. Yeah. It drains your energy, doesn't it? And I think, yeah. The, old, the older I get, the less time I have and I get thinking, you know. Yeah. It's just, I think it's just the more, like you say, you just got to look for the, the upside no matter how tiny that is compared to whatever shit's going on. There's always something you can use to, to work with, you know? Yeah, it's that blame, that sort of like, oh, well, I can't do that because of this and this. Whereas, and it's that flip side, and I'm lucky, I'm surrounded by people who, well, the yes and thing. Yeah. You do get yes and, you do get excited, which makes me excited. And then that, it's like this sort of crazy sort of, um, it's like a positive echo chamber that yeah. gets louder and louder because you're like, yeah, let's go and do this. And that, that makes me excited. Just weird conversations are the other thing I like. Weird conversations on Instagram where I kind of have friends on Instagram that I've never met and I don't know them and they might, for all I know, it could be a wizard in a, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Like I just, I've, I've got a few people that I talk to and I have no idea who or what they are, what age they are or anything. I kind of like that. And one day somebody might kill me off Instagram, but... It'll be fun. <laughs> I'm just loving the idea that someone is a wizard now. That's yeah, but you never know. Yeah. I don't know why I said wizard. <laughs> and I was like, what's the weirdest thing? There's wizards. It's because I was going to say uh, frog, and then I'm like, how do they type? And why would they have a phone? <laughs> so <laughs> that was what was going through my head before I said wizard. <laughs> I love that. Uh, lastly, where, where can people find your work? Where's the best people to keep up to date with um, everything you're up to? Usually Instagram. Um, if, if you do read it, which most people don't, I've noticed. Yeah, if you read um, on Instagram, it kind of tells you what I'm up to. Um, and Instagram stories is usually the, yeah. the bits, because it's mainly the illustration on the actual Instagram. The Insta stories, you'll sort of like see I'm, I'm up to sort of different bits. I'm usually like cool. keeping on track. Cool, what's your handle? At Tash Wilcox, T-A-S-H-W-I-L-L-C-O-C-K-S. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that's been awesome, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you very much to Tash Wilcox for kindly taking the time to talk to me at Hyper Island. Go and have a look at what those guys are up to. They're a wonderful institution, doing things in a different way. Um, I love talking to Tash. I love doing this show. So thank you for listening and thank you for supporting it. It's, uh, it's a way for me to be routinely inspired by so many people. And speaking of, we've got so many coming up. We've got illustrator Dominic Byron. We've got Jane Boyer returning to the show to talk about how women in print has progressed and also her experiences in freelancing. Um, managing the mind again comes up in that episode. Jane is a, a force of nature. Very inspiring freelance creative. So go and have a look at her stuff. What else have we got coming up? We've got Studio Sutherland, Jim Sutherland coming up, one of the best designers in the UK today. Uh, it's all going on. It's all going on. We've got them stacked up and racked up. We've got Rob from Raw Studio coming up. Um, I could go on, but I love doing this stuff. So please do keep checking in. Spread the love. At Arrest All My Mix on social. Drop us a little review on the iTunes, please, if you get a moment. It's a huge help and it helps to endorse the show for people who are just stumbling across it. And as I've said before, the reason I do this is because it makes me sad when I think about people that don't have creative expression um, and artistry in their lives uh, in any way at all, because it really does give me a purpose in this life, which can be confusing at times. Um, and I want to leave an archive of other people's stories, basically. I want a massive archive there one day so that people might stumble across it and take something from it, might get inspired, might learn something, might just simply enjoy listening to interesting human beings. But there you have it. That's why I do it. And, and you guys are crucial to helping me spread the word. So please keep doing that. Thank you once again to the sponsors who support the show, keeping it free, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk, theaoi.com. Go and support because they're out there supporting you in many, many ways. Thank you. Once again, thanks for Tash Wilcox. Thank you for listening. Go and, go and check out the archive. We're over 125 episodes of Creative Gold now, and it's out there for free on iTunes, on Stitcher Podcasts, on SoundCloud, on uh, Pod... Pod whatever. It's out there. Podbean, that's the one. <laughs> 
It's out there in many ways. Uh, thank you for listening. This is the last episode of 2018. Have a very Merry Christmas and an awesome New Year. And I'll see you at the start of January for all new, all singing, all dancing, awesome episodes of Arrestal Mimics. Thank you. Take care. Cheers, guys. Thank you.